Welcome aboard Just Jets with your captain, Matt O'Leary. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to Just Jets episode number 116. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary here. Going to be hanging out with you. I am excited to get into today's episode. We have a few things to get into. I want to talk Zach Wilson. I want to talk Greg Van Roten getting cut. I want to take your voicemails as always. But before all of that, a word from our sponsors. Attention listeners, are you ready to be blown away? You asked for it. And they listened. Our friends at Manscaped just relaunched the Ultra Smooth Package. It's back, baby. Yes. Your new favorite tool and compliment to the Lawnmower 4.0 to keep your boys smooth while looking and feeling their best. This specialized groin shaving kit is here to help you buff, protect, and shave your most sensitive areas. It's time to crop that bush of yours and get right to the roots with a discount just for you from manscaped get 20 percent off and free shipping from our friends at manscaped with my code jets 20 that is j-e-t-s-2-0 for 20 percent off and free shipping get yourself that ultra smooth package it's okay to treat yourself you might as well let's do it all right so let's hop into today's episode got a few things on the docket for us this week first robert Sala saying he sees a different zach Wilson. Let's break it down. A quote from Robert Sala. He says he's definitely hit the weight room. He looks beefy in a good way. He's definitely filled out. He's still got all his looseness. Looseness? Yeah, that's a word. In throwing the football and zip and all that stuff, he looks good. He would go on to say he's much further ahead at this point than he was a year ago for sure. I I mean, I one, it's obvious. If you just look at him, you'll see that he looks bigger. The quads, quadzilla, I've been calling him, uh, is definitely not skipping leg day. And just his upper body looks a little bit more filled out. He's put on some weight, which is fine. He looked a little bit on the slender side last year, and he beefed up. It's not like he looks obese. We're not talking about obesity here, folks. We're talking about growing into your body. He was 22 last year. He's 23, or going to be 23 at some point this year, um, it, it was this was going to happen. It's okay. We were going to see Zach Wilson grow up. Our baby boy is growing up in front of us. I think this is only going to help him. If he gets sacked, I mean, we know he's going to get sacked, but you would imagine that it would help having a little bit more muscle on top of him and a little bit more, more weight on his bones. If he runs with the ball, Maybe he won't get killed, which is a plus. I think he should run the ball because when he did, he was extremely effective last year in the second half of the season running the football. And the fact that he looks further ahead is great. We knew work ethic was never going to be an issue with Zach Wilson, unless you were like just a hater and wanted to always put down Zach Wilson and never did an ounce of research on him. You knew that the effort was going to be there. I, I talk about it all the time, but he, he had to be pried out of the room the quarterback rooms from Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur. And in college, he was a film junkie as well. Like I, I, we spoke to people at BYU who said that he was always in there working and stuff like that. The spoiled rich kid narrative was always dumb, but I love that in the off season that he went around to his teammates and wanted to throw with them. And like, sure, he, you could do a Jets West thing, like what Mark Sanchez did and like, Hey, come out to me in California. We'll throw for a week. He took that proactive step and he traveled around to where his teammates were and he practiced with them. I love that. I really do. And does that necessarily mean that he's going to turn into a stud because of it? Of course not. No, but I think it's the right thing to do. He's doing everything right. His body looks better. He looks like he's progressing. The team around him is putting better pieces in front of him. Like all the signs are there. Sure, we could just say uh, it's LOL Jets forever and always. Zach Wilson's going to suck because he was drafted by the Jets. We could we could do that, but that's no fun. That's not a legitimate narrative, or it shouldn't be. I hate that. It's lazy analysis. It's, oh, my God, this, this quarterback can't be good because of where he was drafted, or what's even worse is what school he went to. <laughs> I hate that. You can't possibly. A BYU quarterback, you can't take a BYU quarterback. Can't do it. Oh, yeah, because there was a ton of success stories about Wisconsin quarterbacks before Russell Wilson, right? 
Miami, Ohio, quarterback university, man. They just kept cranking him out before Ben Roethlisberger. Texas Tech, oh, the run of Texas Tech quarterbacks before we saw uh, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes come into the league. Clemson quarterbacks before Deshaun Watson, they made tons of names for themselves. Yep, totally. It, it's all BS. The narrative that you can't take an Ohio State quarterback or you can't possibly take a BYU quarterback or whatever the BS narrative was. You can't do it. Stupid. I hated it. I always hated it. But Zach Wilson coming back and working this week and looking the way that he did and in the backwards hat with those legs. Woof. Kids ready. Kids ready to come out and play in year two. I hope the numbers are there. And like I said, the team around him looks significantly better. Um, and he seems to be doing all the right things and year two in the same system. Like there wasn't an overhaul on offense. You didn't get a new coordinator. Your coach didn't get fired. You were an awful last year. So like that's that these are all pluses. So I'm excited for that. I'm hoping that Zach Wilson really takes that year two jump. I think he can. The second thing that I wanted to get to in this start here before we get into your voicemails, and we have a ton to get into today, is I wanted to talk about Greg Van Roten for a minute. He got cut this week, and, um, well, he, it needed to happen. It needed to happen. And people are saying, why is it taking so long? Why are they waiting so long to cut Greg Van Roten? Don't worry. He's going to get cut. He's not going to be on the roster. And well, he wasn't. And my thing with GVR and people have said, well, he's a local kid. You like Ruckert so much. Why don't you like Greg Van Rowan? Well, number one, last year wasn't any good. And number two, I really didn't care for the, the Zach criticism and then the, the comments this off season. So in week three, which was Zach Wilson's third ever start in the NFL. They play the Denver Broncos. And it was fresh after Zach Wilson looking absolute garbage against the Patriots in week two. And Zach got killed in week two, uh, in week three. Well, I mean, week two, two in particular. But the offensive line really struggled in week one and week three. In week two, the offensive line was significantly better. They, that was one of the pluses. Zach had time to throw. He was just making terrible decisions. But in week three, he was getting absolutely killed crushed and instead of saying you know what we got to be better as a unit you know our offensive line hasn't been good and, and Greg Van Roten I mean or before he got taken out and LDT came in uh and, and took over the line got significantly better but he was getting beat like a drum like a drum and guess what the supposed franchise left tackle he got hurt because Greg Van Roten got blown off the ball in week one. Like, let's not forget that, too, by the way. And instead of saying, you know what, hand up, I got to be better, it was the first thing out of his mouth was, yeah, Zach's got to get rid of the ball. He's going to learn. He's got he's to learn to get rid of the ball faster. Yeah, no shit, you dumbass. Of course he needs to learn that. It was his third ever start in the NFL. Most quarterbacks don't come in and just grasp it right away. There's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. And you know what? That's something that he has to work on going into year two. But as the year went on and when he came back from injury, he got a little bit better with it. But in his third start, it was, yeah, Zach, I mean, he's got to get the ball out faster. And then he never once stood up for Zach Wilson after all those late hits. The game he got hurt in in New England, there were late hits that entire game. And a veteran offensive lineman like Greg Van Roten, would, you would think they would have come running to the quarterback's rescue, but no, God forbid. Uh, and then this offseason, he, th- he threw, quote, the Twitter bloggers and podcasters, which that's me, under the bus for saying they blew his quote from earlier in the year from with the week three quote out of proportion and made a story uh, when he was just answering Connor uh, Hughes's question. No, dude, just... It was time. The Jets had to move on. He wasn't any good. They brought in Herbig. You brought back Feeney. You free up money with Van Roten. Like it, it just it had to be done. I'm sorry. I wish it worked out. I wish the kid that grew up in RVC and went to Chaminade came back and played for his local team and was good. But that didn't it didn't work out. It did not work out that way. So um yeah, he got benched. And then got cut. And I don't want, I don't root for people to lose their jobs. It's not, it feels weird for me. But in this business, if you can save money, 
then you're going to get cut, which is exactly what happened here. There was an opportunity for the Jets to get out of this contract with no with no dead money or enough so that uh, enough cap relief where it was worth your while, and they moved on. And you know what? I think I'm I have every right as a Jets fan to be critical of. Greg Van Ruten's criticisms of Zach Wilson after his third start in the NFL and not putting the blame on his shoulders of the putrid offensive line. I thought that was lazy. And that's my takeaway. He sees otherwise, which is fine, but I don't agree. And that's that. I don't agree. So that's it on the opening monologue. By the way, if you haven't already, two things to check out. Number one, the Sauce Gardner shirts that I put on sale this week. You guys are buying them up like crazy. Appreciate the support. If you haven't gotten one yet, link is down below in the description. And number two is on the Patreon. So we are doing weekly shows. Exit 16 West, a Jets podcast is on there. Our week one guest was Jets today. We had a great conversation about the NFL draft. And I am thrilled for our week two guest. The interview has been recorded and it's going to drop on Thursday. I'm not telling you who it is yet, but it is someone that if you frequent the comment section here have been asking for a collab for a very long time. So I am happy that we were able to finally do a conversation and that will be released on Thursday. So subscribe over there if you are interested in that bonus Jets content. But without further ado, let's get into these voicemails. All right. First up, first order of business. We're going out to John in Tennessee. Let's do it, man. Hey, Matt, this is John out of Tennessee, formerly out of California. Uh, just calling because I'm curious uh, how you feel about the Jets' uh, back end of their defense right now. Do you think Sauce Gardner is going to be the quarterback one? Do you think yes. that's going to be DJ Reed? Uh, do you, are you comfortable with Michael Carter as our slot uh, corner? Do you think maybe they slide DJ Reed into that role? I'm just curious where you think we're going to stand on that. Sure. And then uh, where also that leads, uh, I'm blanking on uh, our third corner right now, but you know who I'm talking about on that. Sure. uh, Where that's going to leave him. Also, I saw you were curious about how people outside of New York became Jets fans. Well, for me, it was... uh, that uh, I was a huge Ladanian Tomlinson fan, and I was just an individual player fan of football at that time, no team. Okay. And I was looking for a team, but I hated everything about the Chargers outside of Ladanian Tomlinson. Uh, okay. He came to the Jets, so I decided to watch Hard Knocks because of him and uh, just fell in love with the team. And, yeah, I had one really good year, and I guess I joined in at a good time. I honestly had no idea the Jets were good at that time. Uh, but just like what I saw in Hard Docs. And, uh, but, yeah, I had the one good year, and clearly I've uh, been pretty loyal if I've stuck with them through the last bit. So, anyways, uh, thanks for answering my question, and uh, go Jets. Appreciate it, man. Always interested in uh, finding out where the fandom came from, from people outside of here. I obviously, I grew up on Long Island, um, so me personally, my dad was a big Jets fan, so uh, that was passed on to me. Um, I live like 10 minutes away from Hofstra where they used to practice. So I saw them practice a ton during my childhood. And that's where I really became attached that I was the first year that I really remember. I've said this before. You guys probably know the story. The first year I really remember is 2003. Um, I was eight. And then the 2004 Jets, when they went on the, the playoff run and they beat the Chargers in the first round of the playoffs, I, that was that was my launching point. Um so I, I was nine years old at the time, and that's that's it. I fell in love with it. Curtis Martin, man, he was unbelievable. You guys know the the jerseys hang, the signed jersey of Sean Ellis is hanging up over there. My guy loved him, probably my favorite. Um, but yeah, and as far as the secondary, interesting point about DJ Reed potentially being in the slot. I understand, like you see his size, right? And everyone thinks, okay, here's someone who could play in the slot, but he was better on the outside. I'd be surprised if they said. You know what? We know we saw what you did last year or the last couple of years in Seattle, uh, and we're going to bring you back in and and put you back on the inside. That doesn't it doesn't add up to me. Um, I I look at Eccles and Hall as depth. I think they're going to be behind Reed and Gardner on the outside, and I think Gardner will technically be the cornerback one. Uh, he was taken fourth overall for a reason, 
And Michael Carter, the second I thought was good in the slot last year. And I think he can, continues that role in the slot this year. Thank you for calling in, John. We're going to go to, who is this, Red in Pennsylvania? That's what it says on my list here. I could be wrong. Let's see. Hey, Matt. It's Red from Pennsylvania. Yeah, there we go. I haven't called in a while. Um, obviously, this is post-draft. And I cannot be any more excited for this <laughs> upcoming season. I'm going to be there for opening day. I'll go run into you guys. You guys did an amazing job. Uh, you, Green Bean Ryan, you guys kept me up. I, I was screaming like we won the freaking Super Bowl when we got JJ at 26. <laughs> I love it. Um, we were too. But uh, I was actually calling to ask, what do you guys think about uh, the secondary, the setup we're going to have? So I know we got Reed. Uh, I know we also got uh, Bryce, but now we got So it's kind of it's kind of interesting because I started thinking, okay, keep Bryce on the outside, sauce on the other side. Reed could drop down and play play the slot. Um, we also got that Carter as another guy, which is not bad, and Eccles. I mean, I and I think we're in a great spot in the sense of the secondary, and we're loaded in the front line. So I, I'm really looking forward to what this defense is going to look like outside of the immense amount of talent we got on offense now. It's it's I'm chomping at the bits right now, man. But I just wanted to know what you guys think. Uh, what do you think uh, in terms of uh, the secondary, uh, this new look with my man Applesauce, like Ryan says. <laughs> Applesauce yeah. Garden. All right, man. Take care. Appreciate it, man. And yeah, kind of like what I just said here at the top, I'd be surprised if they moved Reed back inside to play slot corner, but I think they will be vastly improved as a unit. Uh, and both really, I mean, Sauce, DJ Reed and Jordan Whitehead, who they brought in too in a free agency, are going to help the run game too because their tackling from their secondary was not very good at all last year. Um, and I don't think they're a completed unit. They took a, they obviously in the offseason took a significant step forward, arguably the worst defense in the league last year. I don't think they're going to be that bad again this year, but maybe they're like 20th in the league, which I could live with that if the offense takes a big step forward. They were 21 last year. If the offense moves up to a top half of league offense, I'd be thrilled. That's my goal. Uh, the If the defense falls behind a little bit, I could live with that just because the most important thing here is the development of number two. We all know that it's the jets will only go as far as Zach Wilson will take them. So if the defense is a little bit behind, you live with it. We can absolutely live with that. Um, but I think they'll be better. And obviously, I like Hall a lot. Um, so I'm sad to see Bryce Hall not be a starter. I don't think he will start. But number one, injuries happen. And number two, like there are times where you're going to need four corners on the field. Um, he'll get his playing time. I'm not, I'm not too beaten up about that. But they have significantly more depth now, which is a major plus. Let's go, Brian from Virginia. Let's do it, dude. Hey, Matt. This is Brian. I'm calling from Virginia. Uh, I've been listening to you for a long time. This is my first time calling in, though. Welcome in. Uh, but I basically just had two things uh, quick to say. First of all, uh, you're welcome. Uh, I'm the guy, if you watch the stream for the draft, uh, I sent in a comment about how it's going to be tough for the Jets to trade back into the draft uh, in round one uh, because of the amount of talent that was still there. And literally, literally, as soon as Ryan pulls up my comment, the Jets move up to get Dude. Jermaine Johnson. So Thank you. I'm taking full credit for that. <laughs> I love that it. The world. Love it. You are welcome. <laughs> uh, the second thing is I listened to uh, one of the streams the other day as well. That's great. And I think someone asked a question about which jersey do you uh, regret the most, and you brought mm. up Lev Bell, mm. and that brought up just memories of how excited I was <laughs> when we got him and how horrible it turned out. Uh, but then we got Brees Hall, and it brought those memories back that we have this phenomenal running back now who's a quick cut, one cut run back, uh, running back patience. Uh, and it brought back all those Lev Bell emotions again. Except this time we got him for super cheap and he's <laughs> young. That's and true. it's just fantastic. And I'm super excited about it. I loved all the picks. I thought it was all great. I don't know much about um, Clemens. Uh, but I guess I could watch some of his tape just to see how he looks. But uh, I trust all these dudes, uh, all the picks. I think everyone's going to be phenomenal. Um, but I hope you have a good one. I'm excited for the season. I'm excited for training camp. I'm excited for everything. 
You should. Uh, but hope you have a good one, and uh, go Jets. Thank you, man. You should be. All Jeff fans should be excited. They had a really good draft and a really good offseason, and they have a young quarterback who is in a good position to take a step forward. There's no guarantee that he takes that step forward. I think he can, and I think the Jets did a good job of building around him, but that's why I said, and that's why I made the video where it's up to him now. And I don't mean that as a negative. I'm saying, like, it's a welcome change that the Jet the Jets did enough. There's no there's no excuses around Zach Wilson. Like it's not going to be like with Sam. The offensive line stunk. Some of the weapons were there, and obviously we know with Sam, just the the turnovers just never went away. But they also like in the same breath, they also did not do enough around him. I, I think even the biggest Sam haters will say uh, they the roster around him wasn't nearly good enough. Well, with Zach, I mean that that's out the window. They brought in a Pro Bowl caliber guard. You obviously have George Fan, who they're very high on. They like the center in McGovern. Makai Becton's going to come back. You drafted Elijah Vera Tucker early. You drafted a wide receiver to go with Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. You brought back Braxton Barrios. You have three new tight ends in here. You drafted Brees Hall. You have Michael Carter already. Like On paper, this offense should be pretty good. So we'll see there. But um, I like that. The, <laughs> there are so many jerseys that I have that I regret. Um Last year, every jersey I got, the player got hurt. Uh, Carl Lawson, immediately injured. Elijah, Elijah Moore, missed time. Zach Wilson, missed time. Um, there's some other jerseys that I got that pretty much put them on. Lev Bell jersey was probably my biggest regret. He stunk. I was so excited for Lev. Uh, I was gifted a Jamal Adams jersey, and we know how that happened. Uh, what happened there? I think it was after his first year, though. It was the... No, it was the white jersey that looked like this. So it was going into the 2019 season. So I had it for one year. Um, Darnold I bought before he ever played a snap. I don't regret that, though. Um, obviously, it didn't work out with Sam, but I don't regret buying that one. Uh, Quincy Anunua I got, and then he pretty much was injured and never played again. Robbie Anderson I have. I don't regret Robbie, though. I, he was one of my fa uh, a fan fave for me. Bilal Powell I have. Don't regret that. Sean Ellis I have. Don't regret that. One of my favorites. Uh, I have a Wayne Grabet one that I love. Uh, I have a Mark Sanchez jersey. I don't regret that. Um, Sheldon Richardson I got. I regretted that one. I donated that one. Favre I got. I, I guess I regret that one, but it was fun first few months of the year. Thomas Jones I had. Don't regret that one. Chad Pennington I had. Don't regret that one. Um, yeah, but there, there, there's there's some bad ones in there. And I'm not the only Jet fan, and I'm sure you're not the only Jet fan who swung and missed on a jersey by. Uh, next up, and thank you so much for calling in, we're going to go to Eric in Florida. Hey, what's up, Matt? This is Eric. I'm calling from uh, Florida. And I was just watching one of your other Just Jets episodes. Thank and you. I heard something you said that just got me thinking a little bit. Um, you were saying how a lot of the guys you got are building blocks. And it was after you already explained how you don't think we're necessarily going to be a playoff team this year, which I get and I can kind of understand. But where I disagree a little bit is I think, like, I look back at the Bengals last year, and the Bengals went from being, I mean, they had, what, four wins the year before to being a Super Bowl team. So my question is, like, what separates us from them? I know they have a guy like Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, but, I mean, it's not like there's a humongous gap between Zach Wilson's talent and his upside and Joe Burrow's. And Jamar Chase, I know he's kind of a different breed, but now we have guys like Garrett Wilson. We have Elijah Moore, who's going to take that step up hopefully this year. Uh, Corey Davis hopefully comes back and plays better. The big question is this, what separates us from being a team like that where we make a big leap and it doesn't have to be, okay, 10 years in the future, but we come back this year and we end up being a playoff team because things just work out in the favor of uh, us. But let me know what you think about hmm. that. Thanks. Uh, yeah. And thank you for calling in, Eric. Uh, it's not impossible. Um, I think it's just rare that we see teams like the, ba like the Bengals. They, they completely turned it around almost overnight. Um, I hope the Jets are the Bengals of this year. That would be phenomenal. It really, really would. It's dependent on their quarterback. I, I like Zach Wilson a lot. Um, obviously, he did not have a comparable rookie season at all to Joe Burrow, but I love the raw talent there. I, I'm still extremely high on him. He was my quarterback, too. You guys know the drill. You guys know. You should know how I feel about Zach Wilson. Uh, the AFC is just, it's tough. 
It's really it got significantly more challenging with Russell Wilson added to it. Um, Devontae Adams gets traded into the the AFC West a gauntlet. The Chargers missed the playoffs last year, and, and talent wise, like they're not even in the same stratosphere as the Chargers yet. It, it's gonna it, it's gonna take some time here. Who knows? Maybe they surprise people and they win 10 games or 11 games and they get into the playoffs. That would be nuts. I would love that. I'm rooting for that. I would love for that to happen. I just don't think that it's fair to say that's the expectation. It's okay to say, you know, there's a world where that happens. Sure. Of course, there's a world where the Jets are the Bengals this year, from the, uh, the Bengals from this past year. But I don't think that should be like your realistic baseline and saying like, if they don't hit this, then I'm dissatisfied, which I'm not saying that's what Eric's saying here. Um, For me, it's just, I want to see significant growth. I want them to be competitive week in and week out, which I think their roster improvements have them in that spot. And I think they should win eight, nine. And if, or if they're lucky, maybe 10 games, I think eight's my number for right now, obviously subject to change here, but there's no reason that they can't double their win total assuming health because they were absolutely killed with health. The roster is significantly better, and their quarterback should also be significantly better. So I, I think they could win eight games. I don't think that's asking too much to say get to eight. Thank you so much for calling in. We're going to go to Alex in New Jersey now. He wants to get into Zach Wilson. Hey, Matt. Uh, it's Alex from MJ, long-time listener, first-time caller. Welcome. I just heard your comments on the Jake Asman show. And uh, you were talking about how if Zach Wilson doesn't work out, um, you feel like you would probably move on from Joe Douglas um, if you were the owner. But uh, I just feel like as Jets fans, we've been scarred by decades of failure. Um, We're so used to having a clean house and uh, we're scarred by decades of bad drafting. but I think we're, we're, I think Joe D is bringing up something special here. And he's building an ideal situation for a quarterback to thrive. So I think if Zach Wilson fails, you can't exactly pin that on Joe D because he's done everything he could to help support him. And I think that if we're a pretty competitive team, but the only thing holding us back is Zach, then I think that you should give Joe D the chance to find a veteran quarterback that might be able to take us to that next level where we can compete for a championship. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Uh, But thank you so much. Yeah, man, appreciate it. And I I hear where you're coming from. And there's a lot that Joe Douglas has done that I really, really like. Um, I would consider myself a Joe Douglas fan. But if Zach Wilson doesn't work out, I feel like it's very, very rare that you see a general manager get two shots at drafting a quarterback. We saw Ryan Pace get a shot with drafting Justin Fields, but then he got canned immediately after that. And Justin Fields is now in an awful situation in year two as the new GM and new coaching staff they didn't really do nearly enough. The offensive line still stinks. Look at their wide receiver room is atrocious. He is not set up to succeed. And part of it is because they didn't spend like crazy because he's not the guy that they drafted, which is kind of similar to when Joe Douglas got here and when Sam Darnold was here in his, at the time, second year. It would be it would be kind of similar to that. So is the... So, like, at the, it's just... I, I think it makes the most sense to have your general manager, your head coach, and your quarterback on the same timeline because for far too long, the Jets have been way off on timelines. Um, whether it be, like for instance, we just go back with Darnold. Um, McCagnan drafted him, and Todd Bowles was the head coach's rookie year. And then Bowles gets let go, and they keep McCagnan initially, and then McCagnan is a part of the hiring team that brings in Gase. And then Gase does the power play and gets McCagnan to go after he already did a draft. So, like, that was screwy to begin with. Before that, um, Idzik and Rex were not on the same timeline because, well, Rex was a holdover. Um, 
and they just, they wanted the owner Woody Johnson loved them and wanted to keep them around. So the fact that the GM couldn't pick their own head coach made the Jets sign a guy like Woody Johnson. Um, so I just think like I again I hear where you're coming from on this. Like I I get it. Joe Douglas has done things that I've really really liked. When you take a quarterback second overall and it doesn't work out, that is that's that's very hard to recover from. It's very hard. And then is he going to draft another guy? And then what? How long does that extend the timeline? Because I'm assuming if Zach Wilson isn't the guy, then the Jets are probably like picking in the top five again. And how many swings are you going to let this one guy take in the top five? I like Joe. It's got to start converting converting to wins and losses now. It ha- it has to. Um, he's not, he's not going to have a lifetime contract. So, um, I think that's my biggest reasoning. And again, I'm not going to sell everyone on that. And I get that. And I respect and see Alex's point of view and why he's saying that Joe's done enough that if Zach doesn't work out, that he should continue to have his job. But I just, I hate when your quarterback and your GM and your head coach are not on the same timeline that I think is worse than, um, moving on from Joe. Thank you for the call. Let's do Dom calling in from Long Island. Hey, how's it going, Matt? It's Dom from Long Island. What up, dude? Uh, just got out to the gym, and I was listening to some of the new rookie interviews while I was on the Stairmaster. I'm psycho. Does Mike listen to music, but I'll listen to player interviews while they're working <laughs> out. Anyway, I just happened to stumble across Michael Clemens' interview. He's nuts. And I feel like you're going to get a couple calls about this kid. Um, after, you know, we got a little more exposure to him and some people have been able to watch his film. I really, I really like this kid. I don't know what it is. His interviews are very like unintentionally hilarious. I agree. And when I see him up at the podium, like I know a lot of these D linemen are big, but he just looks like an absolute mammoth of a human. Like I, I don't know how this kid slipped all the way to the fourth round, but like, if he's got the kind of, you know, ferocity that Joe Douglas and Salah are, you know, trying to tell us that he has, I don't see any reason why this guy can't be a contributor for us this year. I mean, listen, I know I'm maybe picking the straws with that, but I don't know. I, I just feel like maybe the film I see mixed with his personality, his ability to process, just seems like the kid will really fit in well with the scheme, especially considering that most of the scheme with the edge rushers is just to put pin your ears back and go. go. Won't really have to think much, and I really think that he'll add a nice piece to this defense that we haven't really had in, in some time. Um, so, yeah, that's just my take on Michael Clemens. He's a hell of a dude, and, uh, yeah, go Jets. Yeah, um, Michael Clemens is a intimidating guy. He the, the quote from Salah where he's like, <laughs> Clemens goes to a dark place when he puts his helmet on. Like that, That's crazy, man. He's, he has a little bit of an edge to him. And yeah, fans are going to like that. I, I'm still apprehensive about the pick, and I don't see him having that big of a role in his first year. And maybe he's a rotation guy, which is fine. But he, I, I will say this. He is tremendous on the microphone. I think he was a great interview. I love the quotes that he gave. He was funny. He was engaging. And he's intimidating as all hell. I'm rooting, I want to see him on the field. And I, I like the preseason for that and training camp for that is because you get to see all these guys. And we'll see. We'll see if he's able to carve out a role. I'm a little bit more reserved than most, and that's okay. We'll see. I hope he's, I'm rooting for him to prove me wrong, I guess. All right, let's do Shane calling up next from Jersey. What's up, Shane? Let's do it, man. Hey, Mr. Matt O'Leary, Shane from Jersey, giving you a call. Uh, today, I wanted to ask you about sauce. Um, really warming up to the pick. Love that we have him. I'm excited and thrilled, uh, as is every other fan. But I kind of want to just ask you, um, is there anything, you know, everyone's talking about how good he is and stuff, and I think he's a dog and he's great, but, like, is there anything you, you didn't like about the film or you don't like mm. about him? Just, you know, everyone's got to have something, and I just feel like everyone's just talking about the good and no one's really mentioning any sort of bad whatsoever. When I watch a lot of his stuff, um, I, you know, did see that a ton of his highlights are against, you know, like East Carolina University, stuff like that. And, yeah, they're D1. And I noticed in a few of those games, you know, he'd get beat and, like, he'd end up making the play just because he's, you know, like, at this, I'm so much more athletic than you. I could do it, which is 
freaking awesome. You know, the guy is a star, obviously. Because even when he went up against, like, Bama and stuff in the playoffs, he was locking people down. But, like, does that worry you at all that, like, he was kind of relying on that? And, you know, and now he's going to have to verse, you know, Tyreek Waddle and Diggs and Devontae Parker, who, you know, if you miss a jump on them, you know, you're getting cooked. Um, does that worry you at all, or am I stretching? I just, you know, value your opinion, want to know what you have to say on that. And then uh, the other thing I wanted to know is your expectations for Quinn and Williams this year. Mm. Huge quitting guy. He needs to blow up this year because we drafted him so high. I expect him to do that, but to you as well. And, like, any, like, stats or projections for him. Uh, yeah, man, that's about it. Love the show. Go Jets, baby. Be good. Thank you. Appreciate the kind words. Um, and I was just pulling. I was curious. So while you were talking there, I pulled up the, the scouting report from NFL.com. Um, and there's a lot of positive in here. Some of the negatives with him is the, the skinny legs and below average build, um, which I think he'll grow into a little bit. He's six, three, one ninety. So yeah, he's a little bit on the skinny side, but I don't know. I like those tall and lanky corners. So it's going to be hard for me to complain. Um, Early in his career, and this is something that he got over, but earlier in his career, penalties was an issue. He had a lot of holding and interference calls. Um, his first, last year, he only had two, I believe, but he had seven in 2020 and five in 2019. Um, and you could get a little bit grabby at times. That's pro- that's really the only like weaknesses that I could think of. Again, when someone goes in the top, top of the draft like that, it's going to be... Very, very difficult to find major flaws with their game. I think maybe, like, I don't expect him to come in and be like, oh, I'm not, he's not going to allow a touchdown his first year, just like he didn't allow a single one in college. Like, there are going to be times where he struggles. It's a tough transition going from even a good college football team to the NFL. But I think for the most part, he'll be steady. I think he'll be good. But at times, maybe the penalties will be a little bit of an issue. But he's got great speed. He's got great length. He could find the ball and make plays on the ball. I I think I really have a hard time thinking he's going to bust. Uh, and I, obviously, clearly, Shane's not saying that either. But, like, I don't know. Just going through here, I'm seeing an overwhelming amount of positive. But if you want to nitpick, I guess, the his the skinniness. Uh, and he can get a little grabby at times with penalties. Um, and as far as... What was the second part here? Sorry. Uh Quinn Williams. I think he will be I think he'll be good this year. I expect Quinn Williams to be very, very good because I think having an edge pass rush and a, a legitimate edge pass rush is going to help. Um I think we can see him get eight plus sacks this year. Double digits. I I'm I'm gonna say no, but I think he can get eight or nine sacks this year, Quinn Williams. And I think he'll be be good. And I think he'll be a second contract guy with this team. I really do. Uh, thank you for the call in, Shane. Let's do Will calling in from Dallas. Hey, Matt. Will calling from Dallas. Uh, so last week you had someone from West Virginia call in, and maybe you were talking to him specifically, but you asked them. No, I want to hear it. Let's uh, do it. Why he's a Jets fan or how they became a Jets fan. And since I was born and raised in Dallas, and I just wanted to give my story just because I think it's kind of cool. Um, so my grandpa and grandma and my mom were all born in Jersey. Um, they moved here when my mom was, I don't know, three, four, something like that. Um, but my grandpa was always a Cowboys fan, like even when they were in Jersey. I don't understand why. I think he was a big Tony Dorsett guy. But um, when I was about <clears throat> eight years old, my dad was a loan officer for um, Countrywide and then later MetLife. And he became really good friends with this guy named Robert, who was in the cubicle next to him, and they played golf and everything. And one day he just said he was flying out to San Diego, and um, my dad asked him why. He goes, oh, I'm going to watch my son-in-law play. So apparently uh, this guy Robert was LaDainian Tomlinson's father-in-law. Oh, no way. So I got to meet LaDainian a couple of times, um, signed stuff for me. He got Peyton Manning to sign a card for me at the Pro Bowl. We have, like, eight of his jerseys Dude, that's uh, sick. in my house signed, like, to my dad, to me, footballs, all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, wow. um, but when I was about 10, he was playing for the Jets, and I just – he was my favorite player. 
loved him as a person, player, everything. So it just kind of stuck from there, even after he left the Jets. Um, I just kind of stayed a Jets fan. And as, although it hasn't been easy for the most part, uh, it's awesome. Um, I love this community so much, and I'm thankful for your show just because it connects me in even the smallest way with so many Jets fans across the country. Thank and, you. Um, just getting to hear all these different people call in. And even though I live, you know, 3,000 miles from where most of these Jets fans are, it still feels like I'm a part of the community thanks to you and thanks to everyone that calls in. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to share my story. wanted to thank you specifically for giving us an outlet to kind of yeah. all be a part of this this awesome community. So um, thank you, Matt. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for everyone that calls in and uh, making me feel like I'm somehow in New Jersey with all of you guys, <laughs> New Jersey, New York, wherever you guys are at. Um, just appreciate everything you do. Love the show. As always, go Jets. Dude, that, that really means a lot, Will. Thank you. I, I, really, I really appreciate that. Um, I hope you guys know how much I appreciate, um, the, the support on the, on the channel from the call-ins, even like, I know there's, there's people who watch and don't either call in or don't like, or interact, which is totally, totally fine. So I'm not, not, that's not everyone's thing. And I'm totally okay with that, but I appreciate the hell out of you guys. And these were, these words really mean a lot. And I hope, I hope you guys know that I, I'm that I mean it genuinely because I get to do because of the point that it's this channel has grown to the point where I get to do this more often and I've been pretty forward and upfront. My ultimate goal is I want to be able to get to a point in my life and get to a point with this channel where I'm doing this full time. That's my ultimate dream and that dream is getting closer. I'm not there yet. I'm still probably a few years away from getting to that point, but. The point is, I am extremely confident that I'll be able to get to live out my dream, which is making Jets content every single day for an amazing community. And it's all because of you guys. Like if if you guys don't tune in, then I'm just I'm talking into a camera to nobody. Like and I probably would still do it. And like that's the thing too. Like Will was open and honest with his story and I loved it. That's such a sick story. Um and so was uh, who killed in before John from Tennessee um, about his story about how they became a Jeff fan. Um, but you know, on, on, for transparency on on my end, I want to. I've I've been honest with you guys. I want to I want to be able to do this full time. And you know, I've done content in some capacity since probably like seriously 2015. And for like the first few years I mean there weren't I did a lot of projects that weren't getting many views so like the point was is that even if I didn't have the audience that I do I would probably still be doing it in some capacity because I just I love it that's what I I love to do I went to school for broadcasting um I did a radio show for years I worked in radio um I'm a bit of a broadcast nerd um I wanted to be a journalist I was I wrote for my high school paper um like all, like all that. It's just, that's what I want to do with my life. And the fact that I am able to do it because of this platform that we built together on YouTube is just, I, I have to pinch myself every day. So I truly, truly appreciate it. Um, thank you for the kind words there, Will. It really means a lot. Let's go to Jay. Jay from New Jersey wants to do more Michael Clemens. All right, let's do it. What's up, Matty O? It's James from New Jersey. Oh, James, I'm sorry. So, question for you, Jay. This is a little right into James. Everyone's getting hyped about the Jets. Everyone's doing great things. The rookies are good. Everyone's up and up. I have a question for you. One, give me more information about Michael Cummings. He's really a sneaky, I don't know, I think he's going to be good. I have a good vibe about him. But his voice is so deep and foaming. It scares me a little bit. He but is scary. I think he's gonna come and make a maybe be an impact player for us on defensive rotation on the defensive line. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Game Plan with um with Dwayne Johnson, where like the football player uh yelled at his daughter and was like, Don't touch the pants. That's what Mike Clemens reminds me of the deep voice and just 
really smooth. His, inter- his press conference You're right, with though. his media available was really interesting. He's like, how do you do? You just turn on. And snap the thing. like, hit the switch. So I think this guy's wired the right way. I know we had some off-field issues before, but I think it's hopefully a mistake that he just learned from. And then he knows he's just to take his opportunity being in the NFL and being with the Jets. Next thing, Gavin Green. He's apparently Kevin Green's uh, son, which I didn't know that we picked him up. I guess he's on draft free agent. Do you have more information about him? What position does he play? Because I'm not sure what he play. I guess he's a linebacker, but um, it's interesting. I guess we picked him on the undrafted speedy, but Gavin Green was available for me to be available as well. But who knows? But anyway, I just want to call and ask that question. Thank you so much. And as always, yeah, I I really appreciate that. Um, thank you for calling in. First with Michael Clemens. Yeah, so I wasn't the biggest fan of the selection because I, I wanted linebacker or safety help, but there are things to like about his game, even with the off the field and even with the uh, his age being a factor, is he is relentless. Um, and he has this attitude that I, I spoke about earlier with he has a nasty edge to his game, man. He's a scary and intimidating guy. And if that translated at the next level, maybe he is a little bit of a sleeper there. Maybe he is. Um, that'd be unbelievable. And yes, I did see um, the story with Gavin Green, uh, who is the son of Kevin Green. And he, I believe, plays... Oh, no, I was going to say outside linebacker, but that's not his dad was a linebacker coach. But is Gavin also a linebacker? Hang on, I'll find out for you in a second here. I believe I think it is a linebacker. No, defensive lineman. There you go. He plays D line. You go back to. I don't know a ton about him, though. I I did see the story where um, he was trying out for the Jets, obviously, and that he was related to Kevin Green. Um, And I think it's cool that he's getting this opportunity, man. I'm rooting for him. It's an uphill battle because he's at a position where they are extremely, extremely deep. Um, Let's see if we can find some of his college numbers and see what he was able to do there. He played at uh, Southern Mississippi. He played linebacker at Southern Mississippi way back in 2017. He didn't play a whole lot. Um, he was on, where was he last year? He's a redshirt senior. He played at Southern Miss and then went to Mississippi Central, I guess this is. Go Chowhots, Show Choctaws, sorry. Mississippi. Mississippi College is where he went. Uh, oh man. Mississippi College Choctaws. And numbers wise, he had not a ton of playing time. Nineteen tackle. No, 31 tackles, 19 solo tackles, half a sack, three quarterback hits. So he's going to have a little bit of an uphill battle, obviously, but I'm rooting for him. I think that'd be an awesome story. So I did see it. Like I said, I didn't know a ton about him, so I kind of just looked it up on the fly here. Um, An older prospect, but it's a really cool story, and I'm rooting for it. I hope it works out for him. So that's going to do it on this episode. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, we have one more. That, that's my apologies. We have Caden calling up next is the last one. Caden, what do you got for us? Hey, Matt, this is Caden Smith calling in from upstate New York. This is um about one week after the draft. So I'm calling in with some hot takes. I know it's a bit before the season, but just want to call in just some ideas I've been thinking of, of maybe some goals that the Jets could possibly hit for the 2022 season. So here they are. So, number one, Zach Wilson will break Broadway Joe's all-time passing record. I think that's like 4,300 yards or something like that. But, I mean, with the development Wilson will take in year two and the weapons we put around him, I think there's 
there's a chance he could do that if everything gets all together. Number two, Brees Hall and Michael Carter will go for a combined 1,400-plus rushing yards, 12-plus touchdowns, 400-plus receiving yards, and three receiving touchdowns each. So lofty numbers, but they're going to be a great one-two punch together, and we know LaFleur will definitely find a way to use them in ways that will get them on the field and will make them work. Um, number three, two of the five linemen will be pro bowlers. I'm going to say AVT and then either Lakin Tomlinson or Becton will be a pro bowler. I think we're going to have a great O-line this year. Number four, Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore will go for a combined 1,600-plus yards and 16-plus touchdowns. So they're going to be touchdown machines if this happens, and hopefully it does. And then number five, Carl Lawson, Quinn Williams, and Jermaine Johnson will all have each 10-plus individual sacks. Whoa. This D-line is scary. It's got talent, and I think they're going to um, they're going to terrorize some opposing offensive lines this year. So that's what I got. Um, hope to see my call on the show, and can't wait for the season to start. Shut up. Let's go, Jets. Peace. <laughs> Those are some very optimistic numbers. I like the energy, though. Um, I, I hope all those come true. That would be tremendous. Uh, first, let's do Namath first. His record was 4,007 yards. So you would need 236 yards per game in order to clear that, which would be about middle of the pack in yards per game, which is which is possible. Last year, Wilson was 31st with 179.5, which that obviously has to go up. Uh, I would like to see him, I don't know, if we can get even, I'll settle for 225, get to 225, which would be top 17. I can live with that. We can live with that if in, in the 17-game season. Um, so some some of those other ones, uh, I th- the running backs, I think, will combine for probably... Maybe 1,300, 12 touchdowns. Nah, 12 is a little high. I might go 10 touchdowns, like 6 and 4, something like that for uh, rushing touchdowns. I think you're pretty close on the receiving yards at 800-plus. The receiving touchdowns, I think, is a little bit on the ambitious side. I would probably go with a little bit less. I'm thinking like 11 combined touchdowns, 11 or 12. Um, The Pro Bowlers, I think... I'm going to say one on each side. I think the Jets will have two pro bowlers, one on the offensive side of the ball and one on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think you'll have two offensive pro bowl, two offensive line pro bowls from the same team. I think that's going to be pretty unlikely. Um, And the, the three guys with 10 plus sacks, the Jets haven't had a 10 plus sack guy since Mo Wilk, right? In 2015. I think one of those three can hit him. Um, of that bunch, my guess would be Carl Lawson. I think Quinnen can do like maybe eight, let's say. And then Jermaine Johnson, not in year one. I think he's going to rotate too much. I'm going to say like six for him, something like that. If he does more, great. Um, I just, I'm not at that point for him prediction wise. So now that's going to do it. Sorry, I almost forgot Kane was on my list here. Wanted to get to his question, but I appreciate the optimism there. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Once again, I am Matt O'Leary. Subscribe here if you are new, and I'll talk to you next time.